Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. So, Jamie, hey, listen, welcome to Accelerated Investor. Thanks for jumping on the show. We're going to talk today about different types of investment strategies. Listen, I know most of you guys are dying for yield. You're dying for ways to make money. Stock market's got you down. Tesla stock's got you down. Carvana stock is down 95%. Um, and one of my objectives is to bring investment strategies to my audience of different ways you can make money both actively and passively. That's why I invited Jamie Bateman on the show. Jamie's from Labrador Lending, and we're going to talk about different ways to invest in notes. Jamie, thanks for jumping on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it, Josh. I know I had you on my show from adversity to abundance. And I know this isn't a plug for my show, but it was one of my favorite episodes. Your story is fantastic. So that's why we reached out to you. And uh, I'm really happy to connect. So thanks for having me. Yeah, Happy New Year, man. So Jamie, let's let's talk about the specialty of investing in notes. So tell everybody tell us what does that mean? What does that mean to invest in notes, both mortgage notes, defaulted notes, active notes? Explain the strategy from a high level for us. Perfect. So, yeah, I had a background in uh, in residential real estate investing, just like a lot of people can relate to as far as buying a rental property, rehabbing it, that kind of thing, um, and discovered notes and, you know, in 2017, 2018. So it's really been my focus since then. So what does it mean exactly? It means you're buying the debt. You're essentially becoming the bank. We per- We focus on first lien mortgage notes. That's what we buy. We buy both performing and non-performing. And I'm happy to go down any of the rabbit trails you want to with regard to this stuff. Um, so what it really means at a high level is you're buying the debt, you're becoming the bank, in a sense, becoming the lender. Even though my our company name is Labrador Lending, we don't actually lend money out. We buy the debt. We put, put ourselves in the shoes of the lender. So real quickly, at a very high level, buying a performing note is similar to buying a, a single family rental property. And so you're buying that for cash flow you're, you're, and yield. You're not buying that for a value add play like you might be accustomed to in, you know, in the multifamily space and, and that kind of thing. Um, so a performing note, which means the borrower is making their payments, is akin to a rental property for cash flow. So we buy those, kind of run the business, keep the lights on kind of thing. Secondly, the non-performing note, uh, is more like a fix and flip property. I'm sure your audience is familiar with how to, you know, what a fix and flip is a rehab and you, you buy a property that's distressed 
and sell that property once you've added value to it, hopefully. Well, the note is the non-performing note is very similar to a fixed and flipped property. You're buying a distressed note, you're buying that debt, and then you're adding value to it and you're exiting one way or another. And there are many different exit strategies and many things we can talk about there. But that's kind of how I like to give the high level overview of, of mortgage note investing. So the money-making strategy, the way to make money with this, just uh, from a, just a pure yield perspective, yep. to secure these types of notes that are already performing. And let's say, for example, it's a $150,000 note on a performing asset and possibly buying that note for the existing yield on the paper or buying the note, forgive my phone if you can hear it going off in the background. Nope, all good. <laughs> Um, thought it was, thought it was silenced, but, uh, buying the note for yield, the existing yield, or also yeah. buying that note potentially at a discount to increase. Yes. The, is that right? Explain that. That's to right. Us. That's absolutely right. And almost, I have seen notes, uh, purchased at par and, um, meaning, uh, not at a discount. Uh, we don't do that. We're always purchasing at a discount. So at a very basic level, purchasing at a discount is like you said, let's say it's the principal balance on the loan is 150,000 and it's a performing note. Let's say it has a 8% what they call coupon rate. That's on the note itself. The actual note document um, we'll buy that. And I'm just making things up right now, but hypothetically we'll buy that at say a hundred for 125,000. And so that yield to us actually becomes greater than that 8% coupon rate because we're buying the note at a discount. And there are many reasons why the seller would, might might sell at a discount, uh, but notes almost always sell at some type of discount. So if you're buying a, a performing note for yield, like we're talking about, um, you're, you're typically, it's more of a safe play. And so you're buying for yield, you're buying for cash flow. But one of the things that, one of the advantages of note investing is the collateral, right? So as opposed to buying some other type or investing in other asset classes that might produce a yield, this has the collateral, which is the real estate itself. Um, so, but short version, yes, we're absolutely buying at a discount um, when we purchase notes and that kind of protects us, you know, it's because we're not overpaying it on the front end. Sure. And then on a discounted basis for the notes that are defaulted, where you talked about, the comparison yep. value add, like kind of fix and flip, or even a value add apartment complex. Yeah, you're buying that probably at even a significant, even more significant discount because it's not right. performing. The yep. borrower is not paying, but then you're essentially trying to rehab the note, if you will. Yeah, yeah. get it back to performing. Uh, or there's lots of other things that you might do to it. So what 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 might be the discount, the kind of range yep. of discounts? That someone sure, might be sure. looking at again if the note was originally 150,000, it was performing at one time. Now it's yeah. no longer performing. Um, you know, maybe for a year, let's say, or six months, it's no longer performing. Yeah. How, how, how does that look as far as a discount that you would expect to get? What do you think would be a good deal if it's something you were buying? Absolutely. Of course, it depends. And, you know, people don't like to hear it depends because it doesn't sell well. And it's, there are many factors here. Caveats out of the way. Um, a discounted note, first position note, the, the, the purchase price has definitely gone up, uh, in the last few years and, and across the market, 
place in general, which I think you, you know, we've all seen across real estate in general, deals are harder to come by. To answer your question more directly, you can probably um, purchase a, a non-performing first lien mortgage. You can expect to pay anywhere from say 50% to 75% of the principal balance. And you get into other factors as well. There might be the payoff may be significantly higher than the principal balance, but um, high level non-performing notes, you can expect to pay maybe 50% to 70%, 75% of the unpaid principal balance, whereas a performing note might be more in the 85 to 100% um, somewhere in that range. So that gives you a ballpark answer, at least. I was just doing the calculation here on the side. So you take the performing note, let's say it's $150,000 at 8%. If you were to then buy that performing note at 125000 right, which is about a uh, 20% discount, give or take. Yeah. It might, um, it might, if it's a really strong performer, that, that'd that be a great, great price if it's 8%. But, but yes, and I, and I threw that number out. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to give my audience the, 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 the idea of the yield, right? So then the yield, absolutely buy that coupon, which is producing an 8% return off 150,000, but you buy it for 125. Now their return goes up to 9.6%. Yeah. Backed by go. the real estate, backed by the collateral. Think of that investment versus a corporate bond or versus a government bond or, you know, fixed annuity or fixed life insurance, those types of similar style investments that are pretty much set it and forget it, right? The discount is worth 150 that you might be trying to buy now for 50% or 75% of the value. Then we have to do the work of this work (laughs) you got it the forbearance the loss mitigation more work etc and to get that note back performing or even foreclose now you're looking at exit strategy loan payoff what's the real estate worth in order that if you have to rehab it or you have to take it back and rehab it what's the upside potential of that note Um, absolutely Great stuff. So, Jamie, how would someone, let's talk about somebody who's an active investor like me, yeah. and you were actively buying yeah. buildings, buying properties, buying notes, versus yep. somebody who's just a maybe just wants to stroke a check and yeah. wants to just get a yield. Explain the strategy one versus the other, and how yeah, does yeah. somebody get involved finding notes to even get started doing this? Absolutely. So, and that's one realization I had uh, when we kind of was prompted by redoing our website a, a couple of years ago. You know, this really does break down to active and passive investors. And that's not just true for notes only, but, um, you know, I think most people do end up just determining that they want one or the other. I I am both, you know, I do, I am a passive note investor as well. I'll, I will personally invest in other note investors, uh, mortgage note funds, but if you decide you want to be more of an active note investor, you know, the, it, can it be considered passive compared to other type of active investing? Sure. You don't, I, I'm not physically, it's not a physically demanding thing whatsoever. It can be done from anywhere and absolutely from a computer, you know, and a telephone. I mean, that's really all you need to be an active note investor. Um, but once you start to scale, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit, um, you, you, there's work. And so it becomes more active, right? And so to get into this space, what I recommend is hook up with someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, obviously, you know, get a coach, get a mentor, um, and learn from someone who's done this before, just like any other type of, of, you know, asset class. Um, don't just 
you're not on your own. And within the note space, there are a lot of people who are very willing to to share information. And and frankly, there are a few people you need to to look out for. So we kind of it is somewhat of a an unregulated space. And so you do we kind of protect our own. So what I recommend is um link up with someone who knows what they're doing, coaching, training education. There are a lot of good programs out there. We personally do mentorship ourselves. So that's what we offer for the, the active node investor. And then we also have things for the passive investor as well. Mm-hmm. How about an active note? Let's say I wanted to just start buying notes actively. Yep. Um, and I was looking to, maybe I had some of my own capital. I have a group of investors that have capital, but somebody has got to be the face of it and sure, doing the sure. front end work. Where's where are some good places to go to start looking for pools of notes or notes that are for sale? So it's a, it's an extremely um, <laughs> inefficient marketplace, mm-hmm. just like real estate can be, right? So there's some work involved in uh, in at, sort of spreads at hundred percent. That's where the that's where the opportunity is. Um, it's a relationship business, just like I'm sure y- your listener is very familiar with with on the commercial real estate and residential real estate side. It's a relationship business. There are platforms such as paperstack.com, notesdirect.com, um, pre-REO. There are some different, um, I think, noteexchange.com, different platforms where you can go and purchase notes. Um, the problem comes in in that you don't know who you're dealing with. You don't always know who the the seller is, and that's very important in this space. Uh, you doing due diligence on the person that you're transacting with or working with um, is just as important as doing due diligence on the note itself. So I have a, a a list of note sources. You know, we but we're constantly refining that list and working that list and reaching out to people. It it's been probably the biggest struggle in the space, fr- quite frankly, in the last few years is deal flow. There's plenty of still capital out there, frankly, trying to find a home, trying to find yield, and you know, but deal flow has been the biggest challenge. And then the, the third piece of running the business is the operations piece, um, which we can talk about. So it's hard to give a direct answer. It takes work. It's a relationship business, um, but we've developed relationships in the space. And once you know, once you develop those those relationships, and you will close. Note sellers and note brokers will come back to you and say, "Hey, I've got this tape, this list of notes. I know you closed last time. I know you do what you say you're going to do." Here's another opportunity. And we are frankly starting to see an uptick, especially in the non-performing space, which I think is going to continue in the next couple of years at least. Yeah. So if you're now a passive investor, and let's say you've got a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a million bucks laying around in cash or self-directed IRA. Yep. Um, and you're thinking, hey man, there's just not a lot of yield in the in the traditional market right now, the stock bond mutual fund market. And sure. I'm used to just doing the traditional stuff, and I'm really realizing, wow, that, that's a very emotional marketplace. Stocks, yeah, yeah. bonds, mutual funds go up and down because of emotion, not necessarily because of performance, right? Sure. All of a sudden, Federal Reserve raises the interest rates. Now, Tesla stock is down 70%. That, that's not because the fundamentals of Tesla changed. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Tesla did more deliveries in 2022 than in any previous year ever, um, they're getting you know sub, uh, subsidiary or whatever I want to say free money from the government yeah. to to build these electric vehicles, right? And so why would why would a stock like that go down seventy percent? Pure on emotion. Why do tech yeah. stocks that were just killing it 
during the um, the COVID era, um, why would that be down? Why would Amazon be down? All purely based off of emotion. And so if you realize that that market is built off of emotion, you want to kind of get away from that investing in things that just make numerical, logical sense, yeah. multifamily, node investing. Now you get back to that space and you Absolutely. say, okay, I've got this money. I don't trust the market. Jamie, what, what can you say or what can, where can you point our audience to to yeah. just stroke the check? Where can they go to learn how to invest passively? Absolutely. And we have a, a blog post that covers so much of this. Uh, this if, if your audience wants to drill down into this topic of active versus passive, we have a, a very detailed blog post that goes through. It's a, really a spectrum. And so it really is. There's a lot of in between. There's a lot of gray. There are many ways to be a passive node investor. One is to do a partials or hypothecation where you're essentially lending money or buying a subset of a, a, a set of uh, payments on a whole note. So, so in other words, I'll paint the picture for you. I might buy the whole note myself, right? As an active note investor. And I might say, Hey, Josh, I know you have 50 grand. You're trying to put to work as a passive investor. You can, you know, send me the 50 grand. And of course it's, there's contracts and everything like that. It's not just a back of the napkin kind of thing, but I will send you or the borrower's payments for the next three years will go to you. I will still actively manage this note. I, I still have an interest in how the note does. Um, so buying partials is a, is a little more passive than being an active note investor. Partials or hypothecation, your audience can Google those terms. Um, another way to do it is to be more of a joint venture. Now, I, I know I'm sure your audience is familiar with joint ventures with real estate. The same rules apply there with the Howey test and all that stuff. We can you know, skip over that. So both joint venture partners technically need to be somewhat active, but there may be more of a day-to-day -day operational. I may still be the operational partner in the joint venture. And the, the and then you might be the money partner, just using the same uh, same two people as the you know for the scenario here. So joint venture is another way to be a little more passive as a node investor. Thirdly, and this is the final one, really is the most passive way is to invest in a mortgage note fund. Um, many note funds are out there. Some have a three year hold. They, they all have different you know structure. Um, we have our income fund, which is called the Integrity Income Fund. That is, it, we we aim to pay monthly distributions and we have only a 12-month lockup. So a mortgage note fund is really the most passive way you can go. It's similar to a multifamily syndication, um, but a couple of key differences are you're typically, the, the fund itself will own anywhere from maybe 10 to 50 notes within the fund. So you're spreading your risk across many different assets as opposed to your typical multifamily syndication, which is often, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but one, you know, one project, right? So it could go really well in five to seven years on your exit, you know, and it probably has more potential for upside, frankly. But, you know, with a mortgage note fund, you're spreading your risk across the many states, many borrowers, many assets, and so it's just a different play. It depends what you're what you're looking for. Yeah, and that mortgage note fund, I'm sure there's different structures, Jamie. So help us understand yeah. Are those. Typically, like you have one that focuses where its um it its main strategy is to invest in performing notes versus maybe a different fund is specifically set up to invest in defaulted notes. Sometimes yep. maybe you have one fund that kind of does both. 
Um, And people can write different checks for each where they might think, hey, you know, I don't don't want to be too risky. Maybe I want to write most of my checks, 75, 80% of my money. I want to put that in a performing note fund. And then 20, 25, 30% of my money, I want to put into a defaulted note fund where there might be some more risk, it's some more work, but there might be some home runs in there. Tell us about you that. Got it. It's exactly right. And we have both. We we uh, are not currently raising capital for our non-performing note fund, but I can speak to both just from a personal standpoint of managing both funds. Um, our non-performing note fund has a three-year hold. And the real reason for that, meaning you're you're committing to putting your money into the fund for three years. The reason for that really is we try to exit most of these notes that are non-performing within 18 months. It could be six months. It could be three years, frank, frankly, but we try to turn that money twice. And so we try to exit within 18 months and put that money back to work and, and get all your capital back in, in three years. Our performing note fund, which is currently available for investment, is exactly what you said. We're targeting, we're at purchase, we're targeting more of a 12 to 15% yield to the bring into the fund. Now these notes do have some type of issue typically maybe re-performing there may be some paperwork we need to clean up something we know there's a little bit they call them scratch and dent there may be some type of issue with it but generally it's performing a fairly strong pay history in the last 12 to 18 months we'll buy that at 12 to 15 percent and our performing note fund pays out an eight percent yield it aims to do that so um you know there's we don't get as much of a management fee. The management fee is smaller there because there's not as much work for us from an asset management standpoint. Exactly. I mean, you nailed it. So we do have some performing notes in our non-performing note fund because we want to make sure we have that cash flow to, to keep the fund running, of course, and plenty of reserves in each, but they're absolutely different plays. And we have investors who invest in both, like you said, or we have investors who say, Hey, I'm not interested in this monthly yield because I don't need the cash flow each month hitting my IRA. I want to wait till you open up your next non-performing fund because I want that upside. So it's just a different goal for different people, depending on your circumstances. Folks for different folks. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Jimmy, so we talked about how investors could get started. How did you get started? How did you get going with this? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your intro into note investing. Was it a pivot sure. from residential and maybe there was just a defaulted note versus a defaulted deal. Tell us yeah. about how you got started and how you found out about it. Yeah. So years ago, I was working at a, a title company and mortgage note, uh, mortgage lender, I should say, mortgage, mortgage broker to be specific. So I did have experience there. My father was a real estate agent, kind of grew up in the residential space. And so my wife and I have been active residential, single family rental uh, uh, real estate investors since 2010. And so that was, you know, after doing several rehabs and and essentially the Burr method um, and keeping those properties for our own portfolio, uh, you know, you can call it boredom or shiny object syndrome or whatever, but it's like, okay, we bought six or seven townhomes, which were almost identical. And, you know, it's all right, I got, I got this. All right, now what kind of thing? So I did get a little bit, all right, what else is there wanting to add to my own, you know, tool belt? Um, I used to think of notes, getting into notes as more of a, the front on the front end, but I actually think of it more now as kind of a, just a cycle. And so now I have to answer your question, 2017, 2018, I just started looking into different strategy, 
strategies within the residential space. I was looking at tax lien investing and I was looking at mortgage note investing. And there's a thread on bigger pockets that talks about both. Just started researching and reaching out to people, wanted a different strategy to to invest in, different asset class, and wanted it, I wanted to be able to do something from my home, uh, to be honest with you. So um got into notes, started out as a, with a joint venture with a, a who, with someone who's now a business partner of mine, which is a fun story, but, um, and then I, and then I scaled. So, um, yeah, several different reasons why I got into notes. Um, I probably started off a little too passively, quite frankly. Um, and I, and I, but we can talk about that later. Sure. Yeah, and tell us about how you scaled it. Like what, how do you yeah. go from just learning about it to building up a fund and having yeah. many millions of dollars worth of notes and passive investors. And yeah. how does that look and how did you scale it? What did you learn along the way? What worked and what didn't when you started scaling? Yeah. I mean, it's a fa- fascinating topic. And um, I think for me, and I think for most people, quite frankly, you, you learn by doing and watching others. I mean, why reinvent the wheel if it's working for other people? I, I've, figured out that, you know, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to be the next Tesla. And so are we tweaking things? Or are we always kind of, you know, trying to get better? Of course, right? And we're never satisfied or, you know, complacent. But I um, started using my own capital, which I do recommend others do as well. I don't necessarily use, you will see people um, getting trained in mortgage note investing to go immediately seek out lenders. And they've never actually, uh, in other words, lending partners to go buy a note and they've never actually purchased a note, I don't recommend that. I do not recommend taking on other people's money if you don't know what you're doing. So I started to use my own capital to buy performing notes just to kind of get get a transaction done. Okay, now I've purchased a note. Now I know how to board that note with a loan servicer, for example. You know, So over the next several years, I just kept scaling. And um, ways I did that were joint ventures. I would be the active partner because, you know, no matter what, at some point you do need to take on other people's money. I don't care who you are. If you want to scale, you're going to run out of your own capital, or at least the capital that you're willing to put toward this project. Um, And so I started doing joint ventures and then I started selling partials to take, uh, use other people's money to put that to work for those more passive investors. And I would, uh, so, so as a quick example, I buy a note myself with my own capital for say $50,000 and I might uh, sell a partial for a set uh, yield, which might be say 8% to the pa- more passive investor. They might pay me $20,000 for those next, that stream of, of income. And I can take that $20,000, maybe another $20,000 from another partial and go buy another whole note for my own business. That's another way to scale. So mm-hmm. I did joint ventures. I sold probably, I don't know, 20, 25 individual partial deals at the time. And from a bookkeeping standpoint, it was quite a bit to take on. So we've since then determined that the fund model just makes a lot more sense. And so that's why we've moved into the the fund, really fund only direction is I still have my own portfolio, but I'm mostly focused on our two uh, no funds. Yeah, but love it. Um, so our experience in this is, is, is comes from a different angle, but very similar. You know, when I was flipping tons of properties coming out of the great recession and buying foreclosures was easy. I mean, they were all over mm-hmm. Annie Mae websites, the Freddie Mac websites, the MLS, you know, uh, HUD homes, all of that stuff. And then we got to the point where we're like, okay, we don't want to do 
any more rehabs right now. Like we had 15 sure. or 20 going on at any one time. That was a lot. Yeah. Uh, but we we're really, really skilled at raising money. So we decided to throw all that money into a fund. And then we actually started a private lending company where we would actually make private lender loans. And then the fund would actually basically table fund the loan where we would make the loan to an investor. We would lend the money out at 65 to 70% of its after repaired stabilized value, both on residential and commercial. And the fund would essentially table fund the deal. Mm-hmm. Our lending company would get a point or half a point or a point and a half or whatever. So it made a mm-hmm. fee for making the loan. And then all the rest of the yield went back into the fund. And the fund then had a operation partnership structure between us as the fund manager and servicer, we'd service our own loans, mm-hmm. and then all of our limited partners, right? And they would get an 8% preferred return plus 50%. It was a 50-50 split thereafter. They'd get eight, we'd get two. So 8% mm-hmm. to the passive investor, we got 2% for our uh, management fee, and then mm-hmm. 50-50 thereafter. So if there were anything over 10%, we would split 50-50. And we yeah, love that right. business. So we actually ran that business all the way right up until the time that COVID hit. And when COVID hit, we had we were kind of pregnant two ways. We were very involved in multifamily apartments, and we owned like yeah. 2,500 units. And we also ran this private lending and fund structure. As you remember, Jamie, I remember, never forget, Friday the 13th, March 13th, COVID basically swarmed the U.S. And yeah. the NBA shut down, Major League Baseball shut down, all this stuff shut down. We essentially stopped lending and essentially stopped putting deals in the fund because we weren't lending anymore. And then we never reopened. We just decided to eventually let, let it wind down and close. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious because you've been doing this since 2018. How did yeah. COVID impact your note investing business? Yeah, quite so. And I remember you saying on, our, on my show that you fo- decided to focus on what you're very good at, which was raising capital. And I think that's a key you know, piece of uh, advice. But um, it really, COVID really didn't have a major impact on us, frankly, other than to say, we were able to kind of focus on, there was a period of maybe two to four months where there was essentially a, a standstill between buyers and sellers. Yeah. The, the ex, transactions were down. The expectations were very different between buyers and sellers. So we were still buying in that, in that period, but um, it was slower. Uh, but overall, looking back over the last few years since 2020, it really you know, I I don't think COVID had a major impact because we are not on the very front end like you were with lending. Um, We're buying notes that may have been originated five, 10 years ago, uh, maybe two years ago. But um, so it really didn't have a major impact on us. It it gave us more time to, on a personal level, to kind of focus on fine tuning our operations and making sure we're hiring the right people and, and, you know, there's always room for improvement within any business, right? So I found it actually um, to be a good good period to focus on my business and kind of tighten things up a little bit. It, um, yeah, deal flow has been slow, but I don't think that was from COVID. Yeah. So when we we had a bunch of notes that we sold off out of that fund, mm-hmm. we ended up having buyers, attorneys, different banks, other private investors, we didn't sell off a lot of loans, but we had 175, 180 in that fund at one time. It was about $40 million of value. Um, and we sold some off. So if someone like you, would you or your members, your students, would you guys be a buyer of some of those types of loans Absolutely. that we might have had back in the day? 
Is that yeah, one of the sources that you guys would absolutely. be? Absolutely. That's a very good point is you want to pay attention to note funds or, or funds like yours where, yeah, that when it, when the fund close closes, that fund needs to liquidate. They need to send their money back to their investors. So sure. it's absolutely a buying opportunity. Um, so 100% looking, one of the main sources of deals for us is uh, a bigger note fund, right? Um, and so it trickles down, right? I'm not buying from Bank of America directly, right? So absolutely, yes, that's a great, great source of deals for sure. Got it. I love it. Now, Jimmy, I know you guys share a lot of advice on your blog, labradorlending.com. You can go to the yep. blog. I'm actually looking at it here on my other screen. Uh, there's lots of great articles. How to use infinite banking to fund your note business, uh, how to passively invest in notes, five tools to help note investors, um, how to hypothecate versus note partials. There's lots of different kind of advice that you share on your website and your blog. Um if you could take maybe one or two of, of, of all the articles you've written, pieces of advice that you pass along to your members and your students, what are some of those things that you could share with us today? What's some advice that you would give along that you, things that you've learned along your, your overall real estate journey and also specifically in your note investing journey? Yeah, I think the two things that jump out to me are one is uh, we did a blog post a while back that was real estate versus notes. And when I say real estate, I really mean residential rental property investing and then versus residential mortgage note investing. What are the key differences? Everything has pros and cons. So there's one article that speaks specifically to that. And we kind of did it in a fun way where it's a boxing match and, you know, notes win one round and then, you know, rental properties win the next round. And so you'll have to check out the, to the blog post to see who wins. The second blog article that comes to mind is the passive versus acting the spectrum of passive and active note investing. And really what it boils down to is that active investors can work with passive investors in many different capacities, like we already talked about. Um, and so, but you need to kind of know yourself and your own goals. I, I have people that reach out to me and say, should I do, should I do notes? Should I do short-term rentals? Should I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know you. I, I like, I don't know. How would I know? You know, it, it depends. I don't know what your situation is. I don't, we need to kind of, and that's why I, I actually prefer to do mentorship one-on-one -on -one still, because I really kind of want to understand the situation first. Um, but the, the third thing I'll just throw out there is we have an ebook where we, and, and I know ebooks are everywhere and they're free and, you know, they're easy to discount. Ours is 74 pages. It compiles really all of the blog posts that we wrote, and it very, it very much walks you through all of this stuff. So I would recommend your listener if they really just want to know. In fact, I started before I'll mentor someone, they need to read the ebook first and have some questions from it. And just to know that that they're serious and maybe maybe notes are not for them, right? That's fine, right? But our ebook is is chock full of information. Yeah, that's it. I can, I'm seeing it here on my other screen again, labradorlending.com slash ebook. Uh, the ebook is called The Power of Mortgage Note Investing. Obviously, Jamie's the author. Um, 74 pages. That sounds like it's really. <laughs> it, it, it probably should have been five or six ebooks. Uh, we just threw it together in one one deal and sent it out. You know, it's it's free. So try to offer some value up front. Yeah, absolutely. So for my my, my audience, you know, go ahead and download that labradorlending.com slash ebook. Throw in your first name, last name and email. Get your copy for free. Check that out. Jamie, any other places that you would recommend for our audience to engage with you or anything else to check out about yeah, if you don't mind or about your investing? I appreciate that. Um, very quickly, if you do have a if you need a loan servicer, 
buyfiLS.com. It's buyfi loan servicing. It's buy investors for investors. Uh, we we have a loan servicing company that's a different arm of of what we have going on here. I also have a podcast that Josh you were on, which was one of the best episodes we've had. It's called From Adversity to Abundance. And I would recommend, I encourage your listener base to check that out. It's a little less in the weeds on investing and it's a more human uh, focused, um, you know, podcast, but I, it's somewhat of a passion project for me. I really enjoy doing it. And so those are labradorlending.com, buyfiLS.com and From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Uh, those are the three places I would point your listeners to. Fantastic stuff, Jamie. Listen to all my audience, go, go engage in those three resources. And Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today on Excel. Thanks a lot, Josh. I really appreciate the time. Time out. Great. Great job, man. That was fun. I had to cough there for a while. <laughs> hold a cough for 30 minutes <laughs> and it's just sitting back there. It was like a minute, but I'm like, um, awesome. yeah. So was that all right? Good to yeah, go. No, that was great. That was great. Um, awesome. I am going to do your intro outro. I'll get that knocked out now. We, uh, because of the holiday, we're not that far booked out. So this yeah. is scheduled to be released like within the next three to four weeks. Okay. Yeah. I got, I fell behind myself and yeah, you get that. Yeah. I started my show probably too early, you know, cause you're excited and I probably should have had more of a backlog of my own guests, you know, so I've gotten to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, they need something for next week. This isn't good. You know, so I get yeah. it. I've been but, there. My team drives them nuts. Like I'll get in. Like, solo, was, solo episode real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Turn the camera on. <laughs> so no, that was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anything, if there's any way we can help, if you ever need a loan servicer, that is something we're trying to, I'm trying to push for a little bit. Um, so if, if there's any way I can help, let me know. I appreciate I sure it. I sure will. I sure will. Uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. And uh, like I said, we'll get you all the collateral for this when it gets ready to get released. Thanks a lot, Josh. I appreciate all right, it. All right. Take, care. Take care. Bye. Okay. Here's the intro. Three, two, one. So, hey there, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. I'm your host, Josh, and I'm um, excited to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about mortgage note investing. My guest is the founder of Labrador Lending. His name is Jamie Bateman. Uh, Jamie has been an active real estate investor since 2010. Um, over the last five years, since he really started to focus on buying and selling mortgage notes, uh, he's acquired over 75 mortgage notes with an excess balance of over $5 million across over 20 states that creates forever passive income for him. Uh, he has a lot of hands-on experience overseeing construction projects. And so we're going to talk today about number one, how to invest in performing mortgage notes for yield. Okay. Obviously everybody's struggling to find yield today because of this pending recession, stock markets down. So let's find ways to invest for yield. That's number one. Number two, how to invest in defaulted notes, right? For value add yield, which Jamie actually compares to doing a fix and flip property. He talks and kind of compares investing in defaulted notes to fix and flips. Number three, where to find these notes. Number four, what's the difference between a mortgage note fund and a multifamily syndication? We're also going to talk a little bit more about 
what's called partial notes and hypothecating notes. That is a way for an active note investor to share the ownership and the profit with a passive investor. We're going to talk about all of those things today on Accelerated Investor with myself and Jamie Bateman, the CEO and founder of Labrador Lending. Here we go. Okay, here's the exit, three, two, one. Well, listen, guys, I hope you really enjoyed that episode with Jamie from Labrador Lending. Um, I appreciate all of you guys engaging in the show. I am always so grateful, thankful, um, honored, honestly, that so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people listen to this show. Um, and all of the ratings and hundreds and hundreds of reviews that we've gotten. Uh, if you feel compelled and you enjoyed this show, uh, please leave us a five-star rating. Open up your phone, open up um, Spotify or iTunes or iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to your podcasts, listen to that, um, hit the subscribe button. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. And the review is helpful as well because that's where I get the review of understanding what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? What would you like to hear more of? What kind of guests do you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more guest podcasts or solo casts, right? Those reviews are critical to us putting together a high quality show that our audience really loves and can engage with and listen to every single week. So thank you so much for that. Also, don't forget about our upcoming multifamily events, right? How to retire early with Forever Passive Income. You're going to learn that at Forever Passive Income Live. This year, we're doing live events. They're virtual live events. Uh, you can get tickets for a few hundred bucks at foreverpassiveincome.com. There, you can buy a ticket, engage with us online. You can learn from home. You don't have to travel. And you can learn my best of content over three days. And also learn if you feel compelled to engage and join our coaching and mastermind program. There you can apply at joshcantwellcoaching.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.